This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, a special appearance by Joseph Campbell. Uh, greetings. I'm uh, Dr. Joseph Campbell. Please, please call me Joseph. Or Joe, or Dr. Campbell. I am delighted to introduce uh, this next segment, uh, which is uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr., or just Kurt Vonnegut, as you may know him. Uh, Slaughterhouse Five, uh, uh, one of my favorite novels, uh, and uh, followed immediately by Irma Bombeck, who I only remember her humorous articles about being a mother. Uh, please, uh, won't you enjoy this? And fuck you, George Lucas. I'm, I'm kidding. No, don't leave that. What? Uh, don't leave, don't leave out the fuck you, George Lucas. I, I don't think I need to tell you that. But, uh, anyway. Uh, I really want you to enjoy this. I think A.H.G. Wells is just, he's a wonderful human being. Uh... Unless you're married to him. All right. Bye-bye now. That was a terrible. Oh, that was a bit of fun. <laughs> it's fun to clap and make noise. It's true today as it was in your childhood. <laughs> Let's bring the man in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first off, uh, you'll most likely recognize this... Uh, First guest as one of the stars of the Rodney Dangerfield film, Back to School. Please welcome <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut Jr. <laughs> welcome, Mr. Vonnegut Jr. H.G., I want to thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. It's quite, a, quite an honor. Although I don't like to sit next to another science fiction author, author because that is a title that I tried to avoid throughout most of my career. Indeed, it was uh, your, your earlier works uh, uh, sort of uh, satirically uh, uh, used some science fiction. My work is about the American people. <laughs> I simply use science fiction as a vehicle to extrapolate on the uh, current philosophies of my time. I'm not a science fiction writer. Little defensive. I wonder if you, <laughs> I wonder if you might uh, favor us with a reading from one of your works. <sighs> uh, sure. Oh, okay. oh well, I would. <laughs> not that it matters, but this is from Galapagos. <laughs> <laughs> I have written these words in air with the tip of an index finger on my left hand. I have written these words in air with the tip of my index finger in my left hand, which is also air. My mother was left-handed, and so am I. There are no left-handed human beings anymore. People have exercised their flippers with perfect symmetry. 
Mother was a redhead, and so was Andrew McIntosh. Although their respective children, I and Selena, did not inherit their rusty tresses, nor is any humankind, nor could humankind. There aren't any redheads anymore. I never knew an albino personally, but there aren't any albinos anymore either. <laughs> Among the first seniors, albinos do still turn up from time to time. Their pelts would have been much prized for ladies' fur coats a million years ago to be worn to the opera and charity balls. Would the pelts of modern people have made nice fur coats for their ancestors in olden times? I don't see why not. Does it trouble me to write so insubstantially with air on air? Well, my words will be as enduring as anything my father wrote, or Shakespeare wrote, or Beethoven wrote or Darwin wrote. It turns out that they all wrote with air on air. And I now pluck this thought out of Darwin from my balmy atmosphere. Progress has been much more general than retrogression. Tis true. Tis true. <laughs> and what I find amazing is that uh, out of context, it makes just as much sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you finding the, uh, the 21st century? Are you enjoying it? It's just as abysmal as I had predicted. Oh, <laughs> jolly good then. <laughs> that must be satisfying in some regard. Humankind is a yeast that has been perpetuated on the earth that keeps reproducing, destroying the thing that gave its life, gave it life. And we're all more or less just meat monkeys pushing around on this mortal coil, waiting to die. Well, we were all thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> and now to join Mr. Mr. <laughs> Is there a doctor in the house? That's how I laugh. Oh, I thought <laughs> I've been smoking since I was four years old. Nicotine episode. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest was the first author to write specifically for the bathroom. Please welcome Irma Bombeck. <laughs> Are you going to be smoking the entire time? Yeah. Because smoking is bad. <laughs> it just speeds up the inevitable. And by that I mean death. Oh. So I encourage you all to smoke. <laughs> Boy, you must be fun to go on a date with. No! <laughs> and it's called Girdles. <laughs> this generation must be doing something right. I read in the paper last week where a girl factory shut down due to lack of soils. 
Obituary of a girlfriend who has mixed emotions. It's like having your mother-in-law move out because there's snakes in your basement. <laughs> there is something to be good. There is something good to be said for girls. Maybe I'll remember it when I finish this column. <laughs> the problem with girls is they are designed under the law of redistribution. They really don't contain the flab. They merely reappropriate it. For example, when I put on a girdle, three things happen immediately. My stomach goes flat. My chin doubles and my knees inflate. So I always say, what does it profit a woman to have a flat stomach if her tongue is swollen and discolored? <laughs> Actually, she had the opposite effect on you. As we were reading, you seemed furious. Little known fact about me. Usually, before I write a column, I try to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, and that's a little thing. I would write just... another column. Oh. <laughs> Irma, you are to literature as... <laughs> A pile of hair is to music. There's no relation. Okay, well observed. But if we are talking about literature, and we, uh, uh, there's a place for. I'm trying to sing the smoke ends and, and your hair begins. It's very strong. The, the smoking is very strong. I do have a place in literature, as most humorists do, because what I do is I take a magnifying glass and I look at the minutia of daily life. Um, tampon strings, girdles, the missing sock from the laundry. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying what we're all thinking. Can I have that parking space? No, a handicapped person's there. <laughs> H.G., you're a time traveler. Tell me, can you find out for sure if uh, my theory is correct that Dave Barry went back in time and fucked Kathy the cartoon and made her my <laughs> Wow. You leave Dave alone. He's been through a lot. He lived in Miami. <laughs> did you, uh, uh, Mrs. Bombeck, did you, did, you know did you know Dave Barry? We met at a bathroom reading literature conference one day. <laughs> and uh, we, we compared sweatpants that we wear when we're writing. And um, uh, he also had tried to kill himself several times during the writing of his conference. Is that so? A funny thing about us humorists, we are inches away from just self-destructing at anything. <laughs> but you just have to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mr. Vonnegut, uh, it, it, it would seem that, that your work is not that much different, if you'll allow it, uh, from I. Mrs. Bombex. It's no. <laughs> it, it appears no. you will not allow it. I mean, uh, at, the, at the risk of uh, further blows, uh, you, you, you both employ a, a certain type of satire. Mm. You know, we're looking at the human condition, examining it, and uh, turning it on its head. You talked about a redhead in your book. I knew that. <laughs> well, well, there you go. 
Whereas I hold up a mirror to society, Irma Bombeck holds up a mirror to her doughy, sad face. That is true. No, it's true. (laughs) You have a doughy, sad face. And it's true. As a housewife, I was locked in the house taking care of, I don't know how many kids I had. I mean, at this point, (laughs) my vagina vagina just looked like a trailways bus went through it so many times. It's just a real, oh, don't you groan if you have a vagina. You know what it's like. (laughs) And you guys, you get off easy, I tell you what. How much money do you make from Roseanne residuals? (laughs) Because she stole your act. That made perfect sense. (laughs) Glad you explained. There's that that famous joyous laugh of (laughs) Kurt Vonnegut Jr.'s. Um, Now, may I ask uh, uh, the both of you, uh, uh, in turn, Kurt Vonnegut Jr., what, what authors have influenced you? Voltaire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There we go. Sometimes it just takes the one. Uh, Mrs. Bombeck, same question. Thank you so much. You're welcome. There are a number of authors who have touched my heart through the years. All of which appear in Highlights magazine. (laughs) (laughs) You are a panic. You are a real panic. Um, but I have to say that Mr. Charles Schultz has touched me <laughs> celebrated American writer. The creator of uh, Peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> the the, the comic strip. If you look at Peanuts and you look at the pathos and the suffering of those hydrocephalic children <laughs> on a daily basis and how they fantasize that animals are speaking to them and and the voices of of the adults are these garbled demon voices. (laughs) He says what we're scared to say in three panels. (laughs) If I could only draw, I would do that with my pieces like about girdles and socks. Did you ever think of uh, having an artist uh, draw what what you uh, wanted to write? Oh, no, that's a good idea. I refer again to the cartoon Kathy. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, that, no, that. <coughs> the thing is, Kathy is a cartoon, so how would she know about cartoons? Her world is cartoons. Women power! <laughs> Bit of a mind blower there. Yes. I think, I, and this is a term I picked up here in this 21st century, meta. Yes, meta. Right? Think about it. HG, I have a question for yeah, you. Yes, yes, sir. You, you're a time traveler. Indeed. What is your favorite era in history? Oh, I'd have to say you can't do better than 21st century America. Oh. Oh. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you really know your audience. That is strong choice. Uh, I, I would say uh, Paris in the 20s is a particular favorite of mine. Oh, well, what about other parts of the world in the 20s? I hadn't considered that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great big planet after all. Um, yes. yes, I suppose. Uh, I suppose. Uh, let's just say anywhere in the twenties was was fine by me. All right. All right then. What about How about uh, in Africa when the uh, imperialists were taking over an entire continent of people? Oh, the that's a good glorious old days. dance that the human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the helmets we wore back then. Those <laughs> conical white ones. Oh my gosh, they were just. Magical, crisp, starched uniforms and the most appalling heat. 
Why did we do it? Excuse me, uh, Hugga, why, why do you travel? Why do you travel through time? Are you not happy in the era in which you were born and came to be? Well, I, I suppose I'm just curious. I suppose I'm, I suppose I'm just curious about uh, about different people and, and uh, different cultures, different times. I, I do have a I time machine. It would be a shame to let it go to waste. <laughs> Or perhaps you're like the protagonist of my novel, Slaughterhouse-Five, Billy Pilgrim, who's trapped in a world that he doesn't understand and is a victim of the times that he lives in and goes back and forth where he can't quite distinguish one reality from another. Or perhaps you think that things are always greener on the other side of the septic tank. <laughs> Probably a mixture of both. Um, now, what have you been doing while you've been here in the present, in the in the 21st century? What have you uh, What have you been able to do in your time here? Oh, well, I had sex with a black man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first sensible thing you've said all. Day. <laughs> what were the uh, What were the circumstances, Mrs. Baldbeck? And I saw a black man, <laughs> and I went up to him, and I said, I'm not from this era. I'm rather old. It would mean a lot to me if you would make yourself hard, <laughs> bend me over your golf cart. He's a security guard at the grocery store. <laughs> a giant grocery store that required quite a golf cart quite to get a around. Big grocery store. <laughs> he was not a healthy man. He was not in good physical condition. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and um, I just asked him. I told him how much it would mean to me as a life experience. And I couldn't understand what he was saying to me. But it happened. And the next thing you know, I've got black man semen in me. <laughs> so. <laughs> and all of this is fodder from an ex-column. <laughs> next time you get go for the groceries, don't go for the black guy. <laughs> I'm still working on the What is that column called? <laughs> Life is a bowl of cherries and why I get a big back cock into my pussy? <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that would not run in a newspaper. That, yeah, you don't know the newspaper game. Newspapers are dead because people are idiots who don't read. <laughs> Seems to have taken an awkward turn. No, no just uh, I just wanted to do something daring that no one's going to know about when I go back home. You are, am I going back home? Yes. Well, no, that seemed qualified. That seemed like it was like, well, maybe. No, it's just uh, the, the manner in which I speak. I'm from Britain. Oh. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Vonnegut Jr., what, what have you been doing uh, during your time here in the 21st century? Just trying to acquire Facebook friends. <laughs> really? Is that so? When I died, well, when I died on this plane, I was really into Friendster. <laughs> and then when I came back, everybody's like, nobody uses Friendster. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, MySpace, before I even get MySpace out, they were like, don't even. <laughs> so I've been doing, you know, trying to get on Facebook and accumulate that. I hate to admit it, but I'm really into Farmville. <laughs> now this, I, I'm sort of glad you mentioned that. Uh, I, I 
I, I've sent you repeated, uh, both of you, repeated requests to join me on LinkedIn, and so far neither <laughs> one of you has accepted my invitation. I, you know what? I just set up an AOL account. <laughs> Did you get one of those discs? Yes. <laughs> yes. Fun I to read magazine dial-up, so I cannot go too deep into this. Stuff. I do miss that noise. I that recently dialogue. got into Foursquare, so I don't have time for any other interaction. <laughs> no, I just, I just. I do have a question. What is this Twitter thing? The twi- <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. We'll, we'll be dealing with uh, uh, questions from Twitter later, as a matter oh, of fact. Yes, oh. it's, it's a, another social networking platform, just uh, limited to 140 characters at a time. Wait, it's a place where people, 140 people's hair, I don't understand. No, 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 you don't, you don't. Um, uh, characters uh, meaning uh, the symbols that represent uh, language. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I didn't think I'd have to go back that far to explain it to you. Well, she writes all her columns on refrigerator magnets, so you know, get a little f- deeper in. When you've got 19 children, that's all you got to do is, eh, fuck it. <laughs> what, are, what are your favorite things about the 21st century so far? Uh, the sheer volume of women's magazines. There are so many oh, quite more a women's few. magazines now available. Now, in, in, in your heyday, what would you say was the uh, the maximum number of uh, women's magazines that were available? Uh, there were three. Uh, there was McCall's, Good Housekeeping, and Oppression. You're <laughs> <laughs> familiar with that, that title, Oppression? Yeah, Oppression. Mm-hmm. Oppression. I, I'm not familiar with that magazine. That was sort of a, uh, if you were a guild member housewife, you would get oppression. Well, I, I didn't realize there was a housewives guild. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it was broken apart in the 1970s when everyone started burning their bras. Oh, let's burn our clothing. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, it was a place for women to, to connect because you have to understand, we were all trapped in our houses, cooking and cleaning and trying to find that one missing sock. <laughs> And this magazine would deal with those issues. But it was not humorous the way I took those issues and did this. We! Leave outside now. Love to hear percussion. Mm-hmm. Kurt Vonnegut Jr., uh, what are your favorite things about the 21st century in addition to, uh, of course, your Facebook activities? Well, I'm excited about all the different varieties of salt that are available. <laughs> uh, giant, did you know you can blo- buy a giant block of salt for things like ice cream and cheese? And I guess I hadn't thought to look. <laughs> now, did they have salt back in your time? Oh, so much of it. So really? much. We, we killed people for it. Oh. <laughs> That's how we got our start. Of we course, killed give people humans for a chance to kill and they'll do it. <laughs> it's the only smart person in this room. Your sharp head bobbing shamed me, sir. <laughs> now, how do you feel, uh, Mr. Vonnegut? Uh, I also yeah, like American Idol. Oh, that's all talk. <laughs> What is your favorite thing? I'm curious because about the 21st century. Yeah, TiVo, without a doubt. Oh. <laughs> the ability to uh, to pause live television to uh, record uh, two programs at once. Um, God so forbid you could be in the moment at the time when something happens. Let's save it. I need to do something like get a five dollar coffee. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So it, it's not it's not just television itself. It's the ability to stop television. Oh, I don't watch the programs. Oh. I, I just like the noises. Now, Mr. Vonnegut Jr., how do you feel about uh, the influence your work has had on uh, on on younger authors? I mean, you've influenced a fair amount of people that uh, take your work uh, very, very uh, close to heart. How do you feel about the influence you've had? Well, feel free to quote me on this. <sighs> <laughs> Was that uh, seven H's or six? <laughs> seven. <laughs> and Mrs. Bombeck, same question. How do you feel about the influence your work has had on, uh, on other humorists uh, you <coughs> mentioned did? <laughs> That was a good one. That was a prodigious amount of smoke. I was in a curmudgeon cancer bomb just then. The younger authors, what do I say to them to give them inspiration? Yes. Let's say that's what I offer. <laughs> Write it all down. Because you're worth it. And don't listen to the people who say it's terrible, or it's boring, or you're a woman. Okay? Write it all down. Find someone who's going to put it in something, and go. Who would you say are the authors that have been influenced by you? Oh. Aside from Chelsea Handler. that column. Well, yeah. no, no, I'm not quite as humorous as yours. What she's drawing is the, the information about life and mm. how to deal with yes. the, 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 the roadblocks that we're all trying to get around. Uh, Ann Landry, very similar. Or what about Ann Landers? <laughs> no, I mean my neighbor Ann Landry, who's trying to be an author, but she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> shouldn't, uh, shouldn't necessarily <laughs> preclude your friend you Anne. See how she's not going to be an author if she's in a wheelchair. Well, is she paralyzed from the neck down? No. Even so, you could still. Oh, no, basically, you're just her feet can't move. But she is. Uh, she's just a lazy person. <laughs> more, more of a wheelchair by choice then. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the seven deadlies. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Glad Sloth got a shout out. <laughs> now, Mr. Vonnegut, uh, there's been very few, uh, uh, but uh, but a handful of, uh, of filmic adaptations of your work. Have you seen any of them, and how do you feel about them? It's a two-part question. Feel well, free to I answer think that any uh, part. Of both of them are equal or better than my books: Slaughterhouse Five and Night Mother. There was also a strange adaptation of uh, Slapstick, starring uh, Jerry Lewis. Were you aware of that? I was. Have you have you had a chance to see that? I have. <laughs> Do you know of anyone else who's seen it? <laughs> <laughs> Were there any uh, any of your works that you wish had been uh, adapted for film? Cat's Cradle. 
<laughs> Someone's a fan. <laughs> well, I, I wish that some of my uh, books from Welcome to the Monkey House had been adapted. Uh, no. I wrote a, I wrote a, uh, <laughs> from my story. I wrote a, uh, a short story about uh, suicide parlors where, uh, towards when people felt too depressed to go on, they could go to uh, essentially like a drive-up fast food type place, but it was a place where you could commit suicide. And my hope was that it would catch on and become a reality. <laughs> uh, round of applause. How many people endorse that idea? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let me con contextualize it for a modern audience. It could be a reality show where you could judge the people that are killing themselves. <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> well, well placed, Irma, well placed. That's what the black guy said to me. You should have at least learned his name. That would have been the polite thing. Frosty 15 second encounter, you know, just, uh, just in and out. Oh, did someone just go here? <laughs> Maybe he's here. <laughs> um, Mrs. Bombeck, have you seen any filmed adaptations of your work? I believe there was a, uh, uh, a television movie with uh, Carol Burnett uh, playing. Uh, Perfect. Playing you. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, there was, and that was. <laughs> like seeing myself on the screen. Carol and I are, uh, we have a kinship. Uh, we are uh, soulmates, I think, in a, maybe a different era. Maybe we should all travel together on a, like a family trip or some kind of fun trip together with Carol Burnett through time. Maybe! All right. <laughs> British inflection. But she really, she brought every, every, every moment that I wanted to resonate, she brought to the screen. The nuances. The so nuances. Can you name three? <laughs> Bit of a challenge. <clears throat> there was a scene where she was trying to find the mayonnaise in the fridge and she couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> there was a scene where she was trying to find her good heels to go out to dinner with her husband, but her husband didn't care. <laughs> there was a scene where she glanced over her shoulder. At the uncaring husband, by any chance? No, I don't know what it was. At the mayonnaise. <laughs> no, I think she was just kind of looking over her shoulder. <laughs> she did it so well and with such intensity. Oh, she's a pro. She is one of the greatest American actresses on this planet. <laughs> Not in America, on this planet. No one agrees? Fuck you! I think everyone else might be. Fuck well, you Mrs. in hell! Mrs. Bombay, please. This is Carol Burnett we're Mrs. talking about. Mrs. Bombay. God damn it! Mrs. Bombay. Now, I, I, I would put it to you that perhaps uh, everyone was in uh, such tacit agreement there was no need to, to verbalize it. I'm sorry. No, uh, Mrs. Bombeck, were there any adaptations of your work you, you wish had taken place? Any of your, your writings that you would have liked to have seen on the silver screen? Yes, there was a column I wrote called Men Don't Ask for Directions. <laughs> she wanted a film based on this yes. column. <laughs> How many words are we talking about? Oh, mm, 800 maybe. It's a bit of a short film. I know, I know. <laughs> but I wanted to do it in real time. So it would have been the, the time it takes to get from our house to Sarasota. 
which was not that far at the time. We were, we were <laughs> vacationing, and it was probably about an, an hour and 31 this minutes. This is pre-GPS? This is uh, unfolding maps and yes, such? Yes, yes. And <laughs> I tell you what he won't do. He will not take any help. This man, if he is if he is running off a cliff about to go into the sea, he'll just say, hold on, I got it. <laughs> and then we all die, which is my point. We all die because of his stubbornness. But I love him. I love him. Despite all his sexual problems, I love him. Uh, this is a, a, a question that I find interesting, but the authors have yet to uh, agree. Um, what book do you, uh, Mr. Mr. Vonnegut Jr., we'll start with you. What book do you wish you had written? Your friend might be here. No. Oh no 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 no. I told I told him never never to come near. No. Bit, uh, bit frightening that grinning specter over there. <laughs> don't don't much care for the vibe that I'm getting. Anyway, back. I to don't the know show. if you're familiar with this. It was uh, written in the early '90s. It's called Monster, the autobiography of a gangbanger. No, I have I've heard of it. I haven't read it myself. <laughs> Someone, wrote it. Someone uh, I'm sorry, did you say you, you have that book or you wrote that book? Both. <laughs> well, I suppose if you're going to write a book, you might as well keep a copy just for bragging rights. <laughs> and there was, a, there was a, a memoir, was it not? It was about a, a gangbanger in uh, Los Angeles. He was actually the godson of Ray Charles. True. <laughs> All you doubters out there who said Kurt Vonnegut Jr. was lying. You can call me Kurt Vonnegut. My father has been dead for some time. Oh, snap! <laughs> I also wish I had written the Twilight series. <laughs> That's that so. The, 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 the series of the, uh, the sparkly vampires. The, the problems with love and being 500 years old and in high school for some reason. <laughs> exactly. Would have made you quite a pretty penny, although you did you did quite well for yourself. Uh, best sellers, everyone. I did. I did. Well, <laughs> are there any books that you uh, that you had written that you felt should have done even better than they had? Sure. Bless you, of course. Probably Wampeters, Foma, and Grand Falloons, my book of uh, speeches. Do you think that irritating title put people off? <laughs> people didn't want to ask for it at the counter. Oh, God forbid that Americans should have something ridiculous to say out loud. <laughs> oh, that's a high one. <laughs> Bit of a bounce off the table. You had that coming, America. You had that coming. It always falls to the woman, doesn't it? <laughs> Clean up the man's mess. Oh, please, be careful, Mrs. Bombeck, please. By all means. There you are, Kurt. <laughs> every Just time. Like home. <laughs> Just like home. Disturbing every time. And now we turn to our questions from the internet, from uh, the social networking platform Twitter. Um, at this point, it, uh, I should uh, tell you that uh, in, in most instances like this, um, 
the host of the program would uh, identify the people who have asked the questions, but people from the internet um, do not deserve to be identified. So uh, all of these questions will be read without their screen names. Um, Mark Twain dictated that people wait 100 years before publishing his self-written biography, also known as an autobiography. <laughs> this is why they don't deserve to be identified, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You have 140 characters, you're going to waste time with self-written biography. <laughs> oh, if only there were a word that would save me some time! Why must we go through this? Every time I want to write about... Do either of you have, uh, have similar plans? Is there a, a secret memoir waiting in the wings? I'll take this one. <laughs> I have to say that every column I would write was a tiny memoir. <laughs> every word I chose was a piece of me revealing who I am and how fucking depressed I was. <laughs> And I know that the culmination of all my work is my memoir. So to answer your question, no, not at all. I have no intention. What did she just say? I have no idea. I was entranced by the fact that you're now smoking two cigarettes. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Bombeck, do you approach writing a column differently? It says different, but it should be differently than writing a short story. Let's move on. Mr. Vonnegut. Uh, in your later years, you, uh, you claim that poetry was more rewarding and meaningful than novels. Why did you say that? What did you mean by that? Well, I felt that poetry on a whole was more rewarding than <laughs> writing. <laughs> I suppose that sort of answers itself. Actually, it's the economy of words that I was referring to. That's what I do in my memoirs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my word. My word, it's never, it's never quite devolved into this. One of the uh, STFU phrases. <laughs> Don't you have a Garfield shirt you need to crawl back into? <laughs> All right, let's add Jim Davis to one of my <laughs> oh, I'm glad something good came out of that exchange. Uh, Mr. Vonnegut, do you still feel that artists can't really affect change in a meaningful way? This is something you once said, and now it's come back to haunt you via the internet. I don't know. Look around. Is this the world you thought you'd like to live in? Well, no, thankfully, I don't have to. <laughs> Can artists affect change? Is that what you're asking me? Uh, do you feel that they cannot <laughs> affect meaningful change, as you once claimed? Do you still feel that way? I do. I refer to Bono's Red Campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one he did with The Gap? The Gap. <laughs> you don't feel that made a little tiny dent in the world? Sure, in the sales of red iPods. <laughs> I'm always for any sort of slam on Bono because he's Irish. <laughs> this is a question for both authors. <laughs> sort of a smoldering walrus. For both authors, 
Did you come up with the names of your books or were they publisher suggestions? This is something that sometimes happens in our game. Oh, <clears throat> all of my titles were said in sort of a, uh, a feverish haze in the midst of my suicide attempts. I would blurt them out, and then afterwards, if I wasn't dead, I'd ask my husband, what did I just say? And that would be the title of my book. Because if life is a bowl of cherries, why am I in the pits? And then I slash my wrist. Uh. So both authors, uh, who, whom are you reading now? Is there any authors, uh, any modern authors, or even uh, uh, long dead authors that uh, that have uh, caught your fancy lately? I'm a fan of Corey S. Doctorow, George Saunders, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one that wrote uh, Precious. Do <laughs> you mean Sapphire? I do. I've been reading Fran Lebowitz. <laughs> <laughs> Is she a writer? No, she's my other neighbor. <laughs> Friendly with sort of a professional smoker. I think you really, uh, you really enjoy her. Oh, I've seen her at the meetings. That's right. She's also a professional lesbian, I believe. I think that's more of an avocation. <laughs> Mr. Vonnegut Jr., you were a prisoner of war in Dresden. Do you look back on that experience often while writing? Sure. <laughs> right. Uh, Mrs. Bombeck, uh, you were the Grand Marshal of the Rose Parade in 1985. Yeah. How did that accolade feel? Oh. Now I know what Lady Di felt like, what Cleopatra felt like, and what Sex with a Black Man felt like. It was one of the biggest rushes I've ever had in my life. Uh, I suffer from vertigo. So it was a little problematic. I kept falling off the float. Uh, I kept vomiting on myself. Uh, I was screaming a lot. But when I was keeping it together, I was having the time of my life. Now I know what Ike Turner felt like. <laughs> We're just about out of time. Is there anyone in the, uh, here in the audience that has a question for either of our authors? Yes, you, sir. Uh, Somebody tell her what hair suit means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it's a little thing called menopause. <laughs> I don't expect you to understand. But someday, the woman you love is going to turn into Chris Frankel. <laughs> I thought you'd been taking that new drug that the pharmaceutical industry has been pushing, Nancy Reaganall. I love your stand-up act. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're just about out of time. I would like to thank... Uh, I would like to thank uh, our authors, uh, Mrs. Irma Bonebeck and Mr. Kurt Vonnegut Jr., please. <laughs> Jim Yatto, Neil Campbell, and Susan Hale here at the UCB Los Angeles. 
Uh, Matt Belknap for his podcasting expertise. Christina Galante and Joel Arquios from A26LA. John Korn, the creator of the Dead Authors Reading Series, who I believe is in the audience this evening. John, are you here? He's a round of applause. He doesn't seem too happy about it. My thanks to Kurt Vonnegut Jr., Irma Bombeck, and Joseph Campbell for their time. Special thanks to Messrs. Seth Morris, Brian Husky, and Jeremy Carter for no particular reason. This podcast is produced by Messrs. Ben Zelovansky and Paul F. Tompkins, with special material written by Mr. Zelovansky. The producers wish to thank Cody Fisher, Jim Yatto, Alex Berg, Susan Hale, and everyone at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre Los Angeles, and Lauren Rock and Joel Arquios at 826LA. Our theme was composed and performed by Mr. Eben Schletter, Esquire. Our program is recorded live and monthly at the UCB Theatre Los Angeles. If you'd like to attend a future recording, tickets may be acquired at ucbtheatre.com. The theatre donates all proceeds to A26LA. For updates on future performances, please like the Dead Authors page on Facebook. For additional updates or to ask questions of our guests from the safety of your very own thumbs, follow us on Twitter, at DeadAuthorPod. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying the show is over.